All right. Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. <laughs> especially heinous. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> this is why I wish we had the soundboard. <laughs> so we are on season five, episode It's 13. Gabe and Tasha in the morning. Beep, beep. <laughs> It's traffic. <laughs> we are on season five, episode 13, Hate. Mm. Okay, so the opening scene, there's a couple, they're walking down an alleyway and they're arguing. The gal is like, I want to go to med school. And her partner's like, no, that's a lot of money. Blah, blah, blah. And I've like never heard people shame somebody for wanting to go to med school. It's like not even a thing. Right. She's like, I don't care about being rich. And he's like, I do. And then they hear yelling and a fucking woman is on goddamn fire, mm-hmm. like full engulfed in flames, like stumbling and screaming around the alley. Mm-hmm. This dude, Kyle, he runs over to her with his jacket. <laughs> I know. I had to say it. We know his name is Kyle because <laughs> his date is like, Kyle! <laughs> I. Yeah. It made me think of when John and I were in that fucking Lamaze class or whatever before Jacoby was born and they were showing us the epidural, like, how they do it how they put the needle in and they put the thing in and this kid this fucking flat brimmed fucking kid collapsed on the floor passed out <laughs> and his super pregnant girlfriend was like dylan <laughs> were you guys laughing or trying not to yeah we laughed a lot later at the time we were like oh my god and john went and got him a power aid and stuff and like oh john do you ever yeah. every now and then yell dylan to john oh yeah all the time <laughs> I thought this was like really funny though, because she's like, I want to go to med school and help people. And he's like, no. But when it comes to helping the woman, Kyle ran over there with his jacket and she was like, Kyle, no, be careful. Like, and I was like, okay, just let her burn. Right. And I was like, the one that wants to help people didn't. Anywho, so Kyle is using his jacket to try to tamp out the fire, but this woman collapses and the flames just get bigger and bigger. Benson Stabler at the crime scene with the responding officers. This officer says he thinks it's a rape and that's why he called the quote panty police. Fucking gross. Mm. This guy's just a piece of shit. So her torn underwear were found in a nearby doorway. He thinks the perp ripped them off before he quote torched her. And then he says she's pretty quote crispy. This guy fucking sucks. Like why? how are you a cop? That's why you'll never be a detective. Ugh. <laughs> There's just so much going on. That's why you'll never be a detective. <laughs> so Corner Warner and CSU Cyper are on the scene. Corner Warner says that the Vic is probably too burned to get DNA off of, but the underwear mm-hmm. may have something. Cyper finds a bloody pipe close by and thinks that the perp maybe hit the victim in the head with it. Oh, but that's not what happened. Stabler smells fuel oil, so they should be able to identify what accelerant was used to light the victim on fire. Benson looks through some magazines laying near the pipe and finds a store receipt that is near the time the couple reported seeing the Vic, which I'm like, man, this is New York City in an alley. Like, no shit. They're like, oh, we found her underwear. I'm like, you did? I mean, I guess we also found her birth certificate. Right. We also found a stack of letters that she's been carrying with her that she found that her grandpa wrote to her grandma (laughs) in World War II. Like, right. Okay. (laughs) They're going to ask around to see if she bought the magazine somewhere nearby. Cypress says that this fucking lady's purse was fucking melted to her body so they can't get her ID. Because fire is so fucking intense, Stabler thinks that whoever did this is trying to send a message. Yeah. Yeah. So now, Benny, yeah, you don't just like light somebody on a fire on accident, really. You know what I mean? Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm nobody sorry. thinks this is an accident at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Benny and Stabes are in Corner Warner's office. She's giving them the dang updates. Corner Warner calls the perp <laughs> sicker than you thought. Stabler's like, how much sicker can this get? He fucking lit somebody on fire. Yeah. The bloody pipe that was found wasn't used to hit the victim. She found pubic hair and cervical cells in the pipe. It was used to fucking rape her. This is awful. We're two minutes in. Yeah. I mean, they've got to set up why Benny and Stabes are there. Yeah. Because the victim was wearing high boots, her lower legs and feet were not burned. Apparently, her henna tattoos are traditional Muslim designs used for weddings and family celebrations. I also found it hard Mm. to believe that her feet were so fucking well-preserved just because she had boots on. Like, her purse melted to her body, and then they pull her feet out, and they're like, nothing. I was like, "Mm." Yeah, but I'm what I'm assuming is that, like, her feet were protected by her boots and the flames were kind of localized it's not like the i suppose the flames are going up yeah and they're yeah and they're going up so but yeah i mean you could just dust off those boots and throw them up on marketplace because they were in perfect condition which is not (laughs) 
<laughs> and the henna, they don't know for a fact what style the henna is, but it's seen in India, Africa, and across the Middle East. Mm-hmm. That might come in handy if they learn that. Mm-hmm. It does. I also I don't know if the actual henna that they use in the show depicts that in real life. I have no idea. Right, right. We saw it for like a half a second. In the story, they say that, and it's like 2004, so who knows? Mm-hmm. It could have been like a smiley face, and they're like, they use it all over the world. <laughs> you know, they're like, okay. Back at the precinct, Benny and Cragen are doing a little walk and talk, chatting about the case. Benson thinks that if the victim was Muslim, the attack could be a hate crime. Duh. And Cragen's like, shh. We don't need anybody copycatting. And I'm like, what? We don't want anybody copycatting any crime. They hit the desks and Stabler's just getting off the phone with some information. He's got nothing from Vicap. And the only other instances when women are burned alive are in India when their husbands do it, usually for things like infidelity. That's a broad stroke statement, which is speaking to Mm. a small population. Yeah, and I also doubt that it's just India. You know what I mean? I, f- I feel like right. <laughs> women aren't liked anywhere. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Huang jumps in on the conversation and goes, huh, fire is a form of purification. We burn witches, garbage, anything that makes us feel evil or dirty. And I like that witches and garbage were his only examples. <laughs> um, I am both. <laughs> I'm a garbage witch. <laughs> Welcome to SVU Pod with your garbage witches. (laughs) I pop out of dumpsters and I'm like. (laughs) He also says that fire is a metaphor for passion and hits on some Freudian theories regarding it. We might be dealing with a dude that still lives with his mom. Here comes Munch and Toots. They checked with the person who sold the magazines found at the crime scene. And the magazine salesperson doesn't remember anything about the victim because they're a normal non-universe person. <laughs> they gave this big reason like why they didn't remember the person. But I'm just like, can't we just say uh, they don't know. They were like, well, he seemed like he liked drugs. And we're like, he sells newspapers to hundreds of people a day. Right. His life's work is selling magazines and newspapers. He's not looking anybody in the eye. He's all hot up on goobers or whatever the f- <laughs> <laughs> Craigan wants them to be careful about how they word the updates on the case regarding like how it gets out to the press and everything else he doesn't want them to say that muslim men burn their wives munch has some thoughts that <sighs> remind us that he's a fucking pile of rats in a trench coat uh they're the opinions of that uncle that ruins thanksgiving dinner they they're the mm. opinions that get made that make me ruin thanksgiving dinner <laughs> It's okay. So it's it's just a hateful comment generalizing Muslims and correlating it to 9-11. Classic problematic munch shit. And Huang mm-hmm. fucking hates it. He's generalizing. And Huang goes, excuse me, in regards to 9-11, excuse me, they were extremist. And then Munch gets all, yeah, well, I know a brown guy who agrees with me. So let's get real. People know it's wrong, but Jesus. they think it anyway. God. And Huang looks at You know what? Nobody, nobody generalizes Christians when they're putting p- pipe bombs in Planned Parenthoods and shit. We're going to go off on a whole. Nobody's like. I know. I can't. We can't. Everybody who listens knows exactly where we stand on this. And we all agree. Huang looks in every direction that's not Munch's face and gives a real obvious judgy. Okay. Because he's just like, I'm not going to fucking sure, Jan. fight with yeah. you or talk to you or... Acknowledge your existence. Right. It's like, mm, mm-hmm, okay. Oh, honey. Ring, 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 ring. Stabler gets a call from the CSU lab with updates. boop doop Let's go to the CSU lab. CSU Captain Judy... Judy Sipes goes over findings with Benny and Stabes. I am so exhausted right now, and I feel like I'm overcompensating uh-huh. <laughs> with my energy. You're like, yeah, you are. And I'm like, what the fuck? Ugh. You're, you're like, that's what you bought is what I'm I up two guys, couldn't did it. So CSU Captain Judy Sipes is letting them know what she found. The fingerprints that they found are smudged and can't be used. But the victim's purse burned with everything still inside of it, and the lab was able to recover a partial label from the purse. Of course they were. Fucking bumbly alpha cell phone belt clip stabler reads the pieces of the label that are still legible, and he's like, Lant v. Lynn? What? <laughs> he's like, I don't know. I'm a guy. I don't know things about labels and purses. <laughs> right. So they do, they do this little math of like, L-Y-N, Lynn, Burp, yeah. Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn. To me, it was very Simpsons, like how to cook humans, how to cook for humans, how to cook 40 humans, how to cook for 40 humans. You remember that when they were like on the spaceship? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. And the CSU Cyper, who this is her fucking job, was like, whoa, <laughs> figured it out, man. And Benny's like, I like puzzles. Oh. Over in Brooklyn, Benny and Stabes are showing photos of the victim's henna to this Indian artist. This actor is an SVU four-timer. Also, she has 96 total credits, including The Sopranos, which every fucking buddy in this episode is a Sopranos former actor. She was also in Flight of the Concords, mm-hmm. Dead to Me, Modern Family, Grace and Frankie, fucking Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. <laughs> My favorite. She says the henna could have been done by someone from Egypt based on the style. Then she conveniently sees this Egyptian artist that she knows down the street. She's like, hey, Zara, come here. Yeah, she's talking to somebody and the lady's like, Zara, Zara, yeah. Zara. <laughs> Come here. She's like, fucking give me a minute, okay? So this artist, this gorge, gorge woman, comes over and looks at the photos and she's like, yeah, I did this on this gal. Her name was Mira Elbisi. And so Benny and Staves are like, well, we're going to ask you a few questions. And Zara's like, cool, show me your ID, you fucking cops. Yeah. (laughs) Which is smart. And they do. So she tells them that Mira's husband and his mother, Jaslyn, published the Arab American newspaper, which is located nearby next to a local mosque. So in the newspaper office, Benson and Stabler are talking to Mira's husband, El Shani. Oh, my God. Stop. This guy does not have a ton of credits, but he did play a doctor on a 2010 episode of Wiener and Wiener. It's on my TV watch list now. It's a co- Listen to me. It is a comedy <laughs> musical web series, and this is the description of the show. A hot... <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> a hot dog and his human roommate try to find their way through life and love in New York City. What? I know. Wiener and wiener. I'm going to write that down. Okay, we're in the newspaper office. Benny and Staves are talking to Mira's husband, the wiener and wiener guy. Okay, he hasn't seen Mira since the night before. He's walking and doing stuff, not really engaging. He tells Benson Stabler that she's staying with a friend, but doesn't really say who. Benson's kind of like, how are things between you guys? And he says that they're fine, but Benson says that if everything was actually fine, then he would probably know where his wife spent the night. Mm. And Stabler tells him... (laughs) And then Stabler tells him that it's weird that he isn't wondering why they are even there asking about Mira. He's like, what, did she file another complaint about how I mistreat and harass her? And then he's like, I would never fucking hurt Mira. He says that the night before, he and his mother, Jaslyn, who is a well-known person in the community, were finishing the paper, putting the paper to bed. Mira doesn't like to be home alone at night, so she goes to visit friends in Bay Ridge and will sometimes stay over, but he doesn't know who the friends are. Benson shows Alshani the photo of Mira's henna, and he recognizes it and her mole, and he starts to get worked up. Why do you have this picture? What's going on? And then Benson tells him that his wife was murdered the night before. He's obviously distraught. He says he doesn't have any idea who could have done this and kind of seems defensive because I think he feels like they're insinuating it was him, Mm -hmm. which they are. Which they obviously are. Yeah. Munch and Toots are at the LBC house. Mira's mother-in-law, Jaslyn, says she was at the paper with her son that whole evening. This woman is 5'4", but her hair makes her 5'8". Dude, holy (laughs) shit, yeah. She says she went to the office at 5 and left at midnight, but her son said that she left around 10, and she's like, 10, midnight, what's the difference? (laughs) Toots is like, because your theories don't match up, and that's a lot of fucking time. Dummy. Munch tells her it looks like she's not telling the truth. Jaslyn tells Munch and Toots that they just want to make, quote, Arabs look like bad people. Then she goes, okay, fine. I came back to the house to put my grandson to bed. He was at the office with them the whole time. It, it was weird that she was like, fine, I'll tell you the truth. And you're like, why can't you, why wouldn't you be able to just say that you took kid? I don't why know. are you lying to begin with? Yeah. When asked where Mira was, she kind of looks down and says she doesn't know. Mira's son comes into the room. He asks where his mom is and when she's coming home. And he's so fucking cute. It hurts. Yeah, he's just a little boy. I know. In the precinct, the squad talks about the mother-in-law. Munch and Toots thinks Jaslyn was lying and that her son may have called her to warn her the cops were coming to talk to her. Munch says that every word she said was a lie, except for maybe good morning. He's got some like weird shit on this. Yeah. I mean, he made it pretty clear in the beginning that he's got some major biases following 9-11, which was extremely common. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I read this thing that said there was a study done at Brown University that hate crimes against just brown people in general. I don't even want to say Arab people because it's like people from the Middle East, people from South Asia, because people are fucking ignorant and don't know who actually, Mm -hmm. you know, is 
like people that are Hindu, not even Muslim people, you know, whatever. Not that any of it's mm-hmm. okay, but just those kinds of hate crimes went up 500%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was wild. I remember that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still, it still goes on now. Oh, yeah. You know, but I'm just saying it was like, I remember how intense it was when that happened. Okay. Novak walks in and she's fucking pissed and is holding a newspaper. She wants to know the who the fuck talked to a reporter about this case. The paper calls Mira a victim of a hate crime and says that SVU didn't want to talk about her ethnicity because it may cause more attacks. Mm-hmm. Novak is just mad that nobody told her and she didn't have time to brief her boss and that the newspaper report makes her look incompetent. Which, okay, whatever. Stapler comes in with a report. Three weeks ago, Mira called the cops to say she was afraid of her husband. When the cops get there, she apologizes. One week ago, a neighbor calls because they hear shouting from the LBC apartment and Jaslyn sent the cops away. Mm. Craig wants detectives to speak with the neighbor. Go on, get! So now, detectives are chatting with the neighbor that called the cops. This dude played Tom Burgess in season one, episode three of SVU, and I immediately went Went back to recording our first few episodes and how I will mm-hmm. never revisit them. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they would explode or something. <laughs> so this guy, the neighbor, he thinks that Mira's husband hit her because her lip was busted the next day and she gave an excuse to him, but he didn't believe her. The dude neighbor also thinks that Mira wanted more freedom. That is his opinion. Stabler asked if the neighbor ever spoke to Mira's husband and he hadn't. And then Stabler's like, you got a problem with Arabs? And the guy's like, uh, no, he's got a problem with me. The neighbor says that Mira's husband is really educated, but seems to have an issue with tradespeople. So he was accusing her husband of being classist. Mm -hmm. And he added that it was obvious Mira hated living with her mother-in-law and says, quote, she felt squeezed. (laughs) When they would shout at each other, they would turn up the stereo. Mira did tell the neighbor about a Jewish guy that she was friends with named Joshua Feldman. Mira confided in him, and he was a do-gooder religious guy working for some organization. Let's Mm -hmm. go find him. At the Interfaith Council, Benny and Staves are talking to Feldman. He was in six episodes of The Sopranos. Mm. They ask him about Mira, and he gets fucking pissed. He's like, did her fucking lunatic husband beat her up again? Josh was expecting her the night before, but she never showed up. Uh, He fills them in on what the organization is about, and he says that they're trying to build bridges between Muslims and Jews, and she wanted to be a part of it. So Josh called her house, but hung up when Jaslyn, her mother-in-law, answered. They're like, oh, why'd you hang up? He wasn't about to ask where she was. She's a married Muslim woman and he was a strange man calling at night. Like all he's going to do is get her Mm -hmm. in fucking shit. Mm -hmm. Mira worked at the council secretly. She didn't tell her husband because she was afraid of him. Stabler tells Josh about the attack and how Mira was found two blocks away. Don't laugh. Mm -hmm. I know. (laughs) Josh just sits back and looks devastated. That's when Benson goes, Hmm. were you guys more than friends? And Josh is like, yeah, we were in love. (laughs) Her husband knew about it, and when he found out Josh was Jewish, because that was the problem, (laughs) he told Mira he would not let her go, which is meotive. That's so, like, it's like, oh, you're having an affair? Oh, man. He's Jewish? Like, what? I hate this episode. Mm -hmm. Any religious episode is, like, I can't deal with it. Go. At the precinct, Jaslyn and Alshani are brought in for questioning. Okay, so this is like one of those boom, 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 back and forth questioning mm-hmm. scenes. Jaslyn's being questioned by Munch and Staves, who is rolling the shit out of his sleeves, like right when we cut to the interrogation room. She admits that she didn't get along with Mira, and she has this fancy cadence to her voice, and she's like, we're from different generations. We didn't get along. This was no secret. Like, it was very fancy. Mm-hmm. She's the kind of lady that would have corrected CSU Judy and been like, you purse your lips, you carry a handbag. <laughs> her, her handbag was burned to her body. Like, that's you're missing the point. So Jaslyn tells the detectives that she doesn't know where Mira was the night she was killed. Cut to Elshani being questioned by Benson. Benson wants to know why Elshani didn't know where she was. Why didn't his wife tell him where she was going? Benson then brings up Mira's boyfriend and Elshani tells Benson not to defame his wife. But you can punch her. That's cool. Then she pulls out the smoking gum and asks him if he left the newspaper around 6 p.m. with a can of fuel because a search warrant was obtained for his car and traces of oil were found in the trunk. Mm. 
back in Jaslyn's room. She claims that the oil was needed at the newspaper office because the boiler was out. You need oil to prime it, and the service company wouldn't come out, so we had to get some ourselves. Benson tells her that they think she and her son went and started a fire. Jaslyn says they're not barbarians. They're faithful Muslims. And Stabler says, and you couldn't bear that your daughter-in-law was in love with a Jew. And I'm like, woof. Yikes on spikes. This whole thing. Mm-hmm. I don't... Mm-hmm. If, as two fucking white women, if we are mispronouncing shit, which we looked into to make sure we could try to pronounce it correctly, mm-hmm. also in terminology of people. We've looked that stuff up too, hoping to... Yeah. Just Please, just, please, please send please us an email. Correct us if you want. It's not anybody's job to mm-hmm. educate us, but if you notice something, like, go ahead and shoot us an email because we're always willing to... Adjust and try and... Yeah. Pew! Back to Elshani's room, he tells Benny that he loved Mira even though she disgraced their family and that if she wanted to go, he would have let her. And Benny's like, bullshit, bucko, you threatened to fucking kill her. Bucko. I almost jerked my head back so hard when I said bucko, my headphones almost came off. <laughs> when told about the neighbor saying that he split Mira's lip, Elshani was like, dude, that was a fucking accident. We're both ill-tempered. Not a great defense, guy. Yeah. Benny lays out her argument. You find out your wife's having an affair with a Jewish dude, and I'm wondering how someone like you would react. I didn't love the way she laid that out because she may as well have said you people. As far as like, right, I read it and he goes, someone like me, he puts his head down. He cries and mourns the loss of his son because his wife gets custody. He doesn't set the woman he loves on fire. On the other side of the glass in Cragen's four story Barbie dream home, (gasps) Cragen has a cute blonde wig on and a popped collar. He takes the slide from the fourth floor right into his Barbie dream car and races off for a date with Kit. He left Skipper in the tub. <laughs> Wait, is Kit is Kit a Who is Barbie? Kit? I thought I was. I meant to say Skipper. Damn it. Skipper's a teenager. Is he Ken? Because Ken's an adult man. I mean, it fits the SP narrative. Kelly's the baby girl, so he left Kelly in the tub. He takes the slide right down from the fourth floor into his Barbie dream car and races off for a date with Doctor Barbie. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> Doctor Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> Novak and Kragen are fucking talking. Kragen kind of thinks that they should question Mira's son. Novak does not think a judge will let that happen unless Alshani gets indicted because of everything that just happened. No dog, Abe. <laughs> no doy. Because of everything that just happened. Toots comes in. He doesn't think that they have the right people unless it's a copycat. A man, 27 years old, named Tariq Assad, was set on fire outside of a mosque and there's a fucking witness. And they're like, what? Benny and Stabes and Cragen are at the crime scene. A witness saw the man get burned. The witness is Jason Malavi. He said he saw the victim in the lobby. Jason Malavi saw the victim in the lobby. <laughs> I didn't I know how did I not ch- catch that before? The witness is Jason Malavi. He said he saw the victim in the lobby and then heard someone say, Killer, you'll burn in hell for what you did to us. Cragen asked Jason to not speak to the press about this. This guy, he's like, well, I mean, I could get real money for this statement. And Cragen's like, yeah, but like, can you not? Um, it would compromise the investigation. And he's like, yeah, but like, I could get like a lot of money. I, I think there are a lot of people that would pay me. It's kind of an exclusive, you know? They went back and forth yeah. like four times. Like Cragen was going to go, and you know he what? Just, he, just kept, he just kept going on. He was like, I don't know, man. I think I probably will talk to the press depending on the money offered to me. Cragen's like, okay, you know what? Munch, take Jason into custody as a material witness and quote, lock him up somewhere comfortable. And Munch is like, I know just the place. And the guy's like, you can't do this to me. I just wanted to buy a kayak. And the, yeah, then they take him <laughs> Yeah, he was just like, mm, you kept going like, mm, I don't know, man. I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it. <laughs> to a police chief. Yeah. Benson tells Cragen that the M.O. is the same. Torn underwear on the ground. Same smell of fuel. A bloody pipe is also found. They didn't release the fuel oil information, so it's not a copycat. Corner Warner is on the scene. She's going to test the tissue on the pipe for rectal cells. Cragen wants to figure out how the perp picks his victims, and they got to figure it out fast. Now we're at the precinct. The gang is examining the case details. The links between the two victims are they both, quote, look Middle Eastern, and they were both sexually assaulted with a pipe and burned alive. Jesus fucking Christ. Huang can't tell 
if the perp stalks his victims or its opportunity, but it seems impulsive. Stabler says the perp brought a pipe with him every time, so it's premeditated, but the pipes aren't linked in any way. Like It's not like one brand or from one store. Mm-hmm. Munch says this guy uses the pipe as a penis, so he's just your, quote, garden variety sexually repressed racist. I'm like, is that you? <laughs> Huang thinks that the perp is set off by his racism and it's a cover to mask his own inadequacies, like he was wronged or cheated in some way by life. Huang says the pipe is used to humiliate the victims, just like he was probably humiliated or abused as a kid. Okay. So this dude sees like Middle Eastern features and thinks of them as, quote, the others, and he needs someone different to hate than himself. Also, a racist white guy can't tell the difference between someone from the Middle East and someone from fucking Northern Africa. And it's just right. So these are their words. Yeah. Cragen says, quote, he sees an Arab and thinks terrorist. Stabler says, well, he's not alone. And like we were just talking about people were fucking wild. Mm-hmm. towards Muslims or anyone who resem- resembled what they think a Muslim looks like. Just like, I mean, in like Indian people got so much. It's just like, you guys don't even know what you're mad at. You know what I mean? Like, you don't you're just, know what you're, you're just. You're just like, brown. You're, di- you're different. And I'm yeah. scared. And this is what I'm going to do with my fear of different. It's just like, it was just like right. after fucking Pearl Harbor when right. they were like, anybody that looks Asian. Yeah, they because, put them in camps, dude. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Okay. Huang says, quote, even normal people have crazy thoughts, but we don't act on them. Benson walks in. She found the male victim's brother's contact info. Cool. Let's go talk to him. Uh, That was the wrong tone for this, but (laughs) I'm going to stick with it. Let's go talk to him. James Assad. James says that his brother came to the U.S. to study engineering. Tyreek spent a lot of time at the local mosque. He was a very observant Muslim. James doesn't believe Tyreek would even know anybody from that part of the city. It was a very closed off Muslim community. Tyreek wanted to work on educating others. He was teaching Christians and Jewish people about Islam. James said he called it building bridges and he belonged to the interfaith council and staves is like yeah (laughs) we heard that before let's go back to the fucking interfaith council and talk to josh benny and staves walk in and they're like hey josh what (laughs) i thought he was gonna have something to do with this because it kept coming back to him Mm -hmm. but it only came back to him like twice then we like never because it was called hate i'm like we're looking for a white guy Mm -hmm. well Josh knew Tyreek too, apparently. And he immediately is like, OMG, Mira's husband's going after fucking everybody now. But Benny and Saves are like, we've moved on from him. We don't think it's him. Josh tells them that Tyreek was such a positive and great guy. He was a complete idealist. Uh, He was on a panel with Mira the week before called The Modernization of Islam. The panel was open to the public, so there's no tickets to trace, but they had all kinds of security, so it was recorded. Mm -hmm. We better go to fucking the Taru lab. But Tarubin wasn't there. It was some blonde lady with a ponytail. It was like, but he wasn't there. So this text shows Benny and Staves the footage after the panel. There was a dude in a baseball cap, and he can be seen near Tyreek and Mira. They're like, we need to look closer. And she's like, perfect. I have that technology. Enhance, enhance, enhance. And they're able to see a business name on his jacket. Tiny letters, perfect Mm -hmm. camera visibility. It's 2004. (laughs) It's 2004. Donahue Heating Service. Heating as in fuel oil. Yeah. We better go investigate at Phil Donahue Heating Service. The owner, who was a fucking UPS guy in The Sopranos, boop, is able to identify the guy from the footage as Sean Webster. Webster is literally at work right now. So the owner's like, Sean, these cops want to talk to you. And I was like, oh, we got a runner. And Stabler's like, oh, my God, I didn't even stretch. <laughs> And then it's like, bah, 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 and Sean runs for three seconds and Stabler catches him and throws him into a fence and fucking cuffs him. While he's being taken away, Sean looks at Stabler and says, you're like me, man. I know you are. And he Ooh. means racist. So mm-hmm. now we're in the precinct. Sean is being questioned by Benson and Stabler. Sean says he ran because he had been in trouble before. That's it. No, no, like no big deal. I was just was like, mm. he starts talking about the murders like in a hypothetical way. Like, quote, if someone were to say what you say I did, shit like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If he's guilty of anything, it's wearing too many rings. I did not like him. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> Ease. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fucking Chris Angel, fucking mind freaking right. in the 
precinct. <laughs> He's like, was this your card? And they're like, answer the goddamn questions. <laughs> he starts saying that they would understand why the person did it because quote, these people pretended to be good, but weren't. He says the man who did this knew they were bad because of the color of their skin and their voices and were a danger to, quote, our way of life. Freedom and democracy. Fucking America shit. <sighs> I, I, mm -hmm. and, okay. and then he says that if these people get money from overseas for terrorism and don't believe in freedom and democracy, then they ought to be killed. Fucking gross. Yeah. On the other side of the glass, Huang says it's like Sean is almost disassociating. Craig thinks Sean is just trying to get Benson and Stabler's approval. Novak walks in. Craig lets her know that the fuel oil in Sean's truck was a perfect match for what was used to burn the victims. The same oil sells 360 million gallons every 10 seconds. Holy shit. So she's saying like she threw out that fact and was like, that doesn't really mean shit, dude. It's like, so what? It, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Munch says that the accelerant benzene was used, so they'll need to get a search warrant for Sean's apartment for that. Mm -hmm. Huang thinks that they need to keep Sean talking. He seems like he wants to confess, but he will need to feel heard first. Yeah. And Craigan's like, until he says the magic word, I want a lawyer. And Wong's like, this guy's not asking for a lawyer. If Benson Stabler keep listening, he'll keep fucking talking. He's one of those guys. I love Wong so much in this scene like that, where he he's just staring through the glass and he's like, if they keep listening, he'll keep talking. And I'm like, oh, how mm -hmm. good does it feel to just like know that? I know. I love, yeah. He's got such a curious mind. I know. Now we're at the Webster residence. Munch and Toot search the apartment and Sean's mom is pissed. There's like posters on the wall too, like racist, like... <laughs> and Sean's mom you know. is pissed. <laughs> she tells him Sean didn't do anything and tells him to leave. Toots tells her to fucking stay out of their way or they'll arrest her too. Munch gives her the search warrant. Munch finds a book called, quote... How to Cook 40 Humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's called the Citizen Survival Manual, published by, quote, the White People Press. <laughs> there's a whole chap there's a whole chapter with instructions on how to start fires. Oh, in Sean's closet, Toots finds a cleaning product that contains benzene. Sean's mom looks worried. Now we're back at the precinct. Sean's still in an interview room. What? OMG. No, lethal injection. He has a wraparound barbed wire bicep combo infinity yeah. symbol tattoo. Barbed wire is pretty sick, though. It was barbed wire, but the barbed wire was made into infinity symbols around his Ew. Arm. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah. He's like, forever hate. <laughs> XOXO, gossip girl. <laughs> Sean doesn't think that he'll go to jail because people will understand why he did this shit. He thinks things should be easier for him because he was born in America and he's pissed about immigrants. And we're like, sorry, you're like a white man sorry you've had all the opportunities and didn't do anything about it mm -hmm. <laughs> you're literally handed life the highest in the food fucking chain you have the most opportunity you have the the biggest head start yeah benson pops in and says they found that cleaning shit with benson in it in his room sean says he already told them what he knows when are they gonna just let him go and then he starts going off on how things were different when he was a kid and there weren't all these quote people benson's like oh my god dude there's always been foreigners there's always been immigrants we are immigrants this country was founded on immigrants but sean says yeah except now they rent places in jersey and set up their little cells and they bomb buildings fucking psycho yeah benson asked if someone told him that mira and Tariq were involved in 9-11 or something she's trying to figure out why the fuck they're targets mm -hmm. sean thinks that all arabs had advance warning about 9-11 and sold their houses and moved back he thinks all of the immigrants of middle eastern ethnicity are all linked to terrorism this guy is fucking stabler does that thing where he attempts to make sean think he has the same feelings he's like yeah i mean i admit it i see them walking around i don't like them being here <laughs> which makes fucking sean's dick move you <laughs> know immediately falls for it yeah sean way too easily warms up to stabler and they're like talking about schools they went to and being irish or whatever yeah. and are having sort of like a little bond <laughs> oh and being and being catholic he's like you're irish and you're fucking catholic oh i should totally believe you even though i've been in the cell for like fucking five hours sean thinks he didn't get to go to college because all the spots were all bought by arab people with quote oil money what in the fuck yeah stabler is like yep it's a bitch man and dude says so you understand <laughs> stabler is like yeah sure <laughs> yep so he was like dude one of my best friends died in the world trade center 
What do you think? Dude looks at Benny and goes, see, you don't get it. He gets it. And Benny's like, oh my God, Shamrock, you have no fucking idea. Like, fucking <laughs> right. <laughs> On the other side of the glass, Toots and Cragen are having a tea party and their little hands don't move because they're stuck together because they're Barbies. <laughs> Toots tells Craig and the cleaner from Sean's room is a match to what was found at the murder scenes. Sean has been in the interview room for four and a half hours. Toots is like, do you want me to go in there and try and light him up? I'm a black dude. He'll be pissed. <laughs> yeah. And Craigan's like, sure, go ahead. Back in the interview room. Boop, boop, boop. Knock, knock, knock. Here comes Toots. Stabler introduces Toots to Sean. And Sean is so mad that Toots is there. And I'm like, why? Why, Sean? Sean's immediately like, you don't like me very much, do you, to Benny? And she's like, no, no. She's like, I don't really care either way. Whatever. Like, I don't care about you. I'm hungry. You're annoying. Mm. He then tells Benny that she looks like she has, quote, some color in her. Whoa. And Benson goes, uh, what's it to you? He starts throwing out fucking racial slurs, trying to rile up Benny and Toots. It does not bother either of them at all. Can you imagine Toots going fucking full stabler, by the way? Like, he's so fucking chill. Yeah, fucking stabler's standing in the corner and he's doing that rocking thing like in mortal Kombat, just like waiting for this guy to fucking piss him off <laughs> and benny and toots are like oh my god will you just fucking confess some shit oh i'm a what uh and like just the gross shit that this guy <laughs> says yeah but toots is like all right call me whatever you want dude i've got some words for you okay killer psycho sean's like hey uh <laughs> yeah he like really fucking gets yeah <laughs> then Sean admits that he did kill Mira, but he says he didn't want to. Toots is like, oh, uh, yeah. She's like, you're a little sicky. <laughs> like, the dude started speaking in we statements, and he's like, they lied to us. She told us she was a good American. He said he was our friend. They're all liars. And I'm like, who are we? Who's us? Yeah. After the interrogation, Benny and Toots get an off-brand soda from the soda machine and chit-chat about what happened in the room. And Toots just shrugs off this guy's racist ranting at them and goes couple of hundred years races will be so mixed up it won't matter who care why do i care and i'm like oh my god a couple hundred years i was like no way I, and I was like no way it's gonna be a lot sooner than that you think so the, the next the next few generations well yeah i guess it's like a couple hundred years then yeah benny was a little shaken up but not by sean accusing her of being not white Remember that Benny's a product of rape and she doesn't know anything about this person who raped her mom that got her pregnant with Olivia. Benny's like, mm -hmm. race and color are the least of my fucking questions. I don't care. Stabler comes in with a probation report. Sean attacked a Pakistani kid when he was 16, tried in as adult, sentenced as a juvenile. He didn't serve time. His father died when he was 10 and his mother had a nervous breakdown. Sean moved from Long Island into the city and has been in and out of trouble ever since. And Toots is like, dude, do you want us to feel fucking sorry for him? So it was like, no, no, dude, no. He's a racist son of a bitch. But he has a damn good lawyer. Uh-oh. Mm. Okay, now we're in Cragen's office. Sean's lawyer, Oliver Gates, who I love. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think he's awful and smarmy, but he's such an awesome fucking actor. Oh, can I tell you who he is? Yeah, he's in everything. He is, but I scrolled way the fuck back. So Oliver Gates shows up five times on SVU, a little reoccurring lawyer action. He has a ton of roles under his belt, but probably one of his most important was one of his earliest. He was Brad Majors in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. He's got a great voice too. Oh yeah. So yeah, in Kragen's office, Sean's lawyer, Oliver Gates, says that the confession was inadmissible, claiming it was provoked. Kragen's like, nope, try again. He was Mirandized and never asked for a lawyer. Novak tells Gates to stop grandstanding and says, quote, this isn't a press conference. Gates says that they kept him from his mom. Nope. Sean declined his phone call. Munch and Toots had told Sean's mom they had him. Novak says she thinks the confession will stick because of how easily provoked Sean gets. I mean, they literally just called him one name. And it was yeah. killer and psycho. Oh, two names. Yeah. Gates is like, hmm, um, we'll see. See you in court. Novak tells Craig and she's seen that smile on Gates before. It's usually right before crushing his opponent in court. But Novak doesn't think that she'll need to tack on the hate crime extensions to the sentence, which I'm like, you should anyways. They should prosecute Sean's actions, not thoughts. Craig wants to try and charge him with the hate crime because he killed out of hate and that matters and it will show motive. And duh, it's about making a point. Craig gets a call. Fucking Sean 
killed a Muslim prisoner at a central booking. Like, holy fuck. Mm. Now we're at booking. The officer on the scene says Sean freaked out and stomped the other prisoner to death. Novak was like, why the fuck would you put him in general population? The fuck? And the, the officer was like, we weren't informed about the racial shit and or Sean's other murders. Oh, it was just a fuck up. Mm-hmm. That Where somebody fucking died. Okay. Whoopsie doodle. Craig can tell Sean his lawyer is going to be pissed because he just convicted himself. Sean's like, I don't care. And then he says, quote, one less Arab, one less terrorist. Gosh. Fucking Gates shows up out of the shadows. <laughs> Everybody just like a, <laughs> a look over like, oh. And he's like, not another word, Sean. And he says that Sean's latest murder in booking proved his theory. Sean will get sent to a mental hospital. Gates is going to fucking argue that he is biologically and genetically predisposed to hatred and violence and he has no control over his actions. Mm. Cragen argues about this idea, saying that no one would ever be responsible for their actions if that excuse was used. And it's such a stupid defense. Like, we have done this like four or five times in the last like five seasons. I know. It's ridiculous. And then fucking and Gates is like, he's about to leave and he's like, it's the ultimate defense. And then he fucking rips some gnar waves on his jet ski while he crashes a mountain dew. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ultimate defense johnny utah we're france i love you okay okay now we're in court novak tells the courtroom that this defense is fucking absurd because it is yep. sean fucking sodomized and raped two people and beat a prisoner to death his guilt cannot be determined by his genes and then gates goes dar you say the law or your opinion did you catch that the way he said that no. Oh, it's fucking weird. I laughed so hard. He's like, are you citing the law or your opinion? <laughs> Novak says, the law is clear. New York doesn't have an insanity defense of irresistible impulse. We ask that it be excluded. And the judge was like, thanks, counselor. And she did this like, I have approval. This is all I've ever wanted. Gates wants to prove that Sean was born with hatred hardwired into him. Novak, of course, jumps in and says that Sean ran from the cops. He knew right from wrong. That negates a mental disease defense. Gates says, Michigan versus Carpenter, not wanting to be caught is different than knowing right from wrong. Judge says that Gates haven't convinced him thoroughly enough about anything. So Gates comes up to him and hands him a motion or something and says the U.S. versus blah, blah, blah states a judge must take into consideration mental blah, blah, blah. And the judge is like, listen, I'm a tiny mole. This judge is a walrus judge. This is the walrus judge? This is the walrus judge, yeah. Oh. Why, do you have a mole joke? No. Oh, I do. Hold on. The judge is like, listen, I'm a tiny mole and I know the case because I went to tiny mole law school. (laughs) Two counselor. (laughs) But he's a walrus judge. Yeah. And he's, like, he's like, listen, I'm a big walrus, and I know this case because I went to big walrus law school too, counselor. <laughs> this specific walrus judge, to me, I don't know if it's, I'm just catching it now, but he not only is a walrus judge, but he is Mike Ditka in a walrus suit. Mm-hmm. I will not be fielding any questions on that. That's just accurate, and that's just true. <laughs> I feel like, what about Bob? I'm like, hmm. <laughs> Remember when he was having dinner? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the judge is going to look over the specific evidence to make his decision. Gates says that they have a kick-ass neurobiologist for an expert witness. Outside the courthouse, Huang and Novak are getting their steps in in a walk and talk, discussing the case. They see Gates, who's like fucking 6'5", by the way. Yeah. He lumbers over and says, Casey, dude, this case is going to be a blast to the extreme, bro. <laughs> and Novak's like, y'all are so fucked up. Your client killed a dude just to make himself look, quote, crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gates is like, mm, nope. <laughs> My client can't control this. He said he he did say, what did he say in the courtroom? No, whatever. Is that your opinion? Because I wrote it here because I was like, he really drug that out. And he said, nope, my client can't control himself. Novak tells him he just likes being in the spotlight after he says he likes being on the cutting edge of shit or whatever. And he takes a sip of his coffee and does that tongue click exhale after taking a drink. Wait, what is it? Hang on. Let me. He goes. That too must be genetic (laughs) and walks away. That was fuck you, dude. But like that was awesome. (laughs) You know. Yeah. Right? That was his version of flipping a zucchini in the grocery store. And catching yeah. It <laughs> I nailed it. I hope, I'm like, oh, I hope people remember that because otherwise this makes no sense. 
Even if it doesn't, I think it's great. But like, I immediately knew it. Wait, was that only in the friendship uh-huh. boat though? Maybe. Join the Patreon. The Novak Huang walk and talk continues. Huang tells Novak that he knows the expert witness, Dr. Emily Sofer, and she's a world-class neurobiologist mm-hmm. who knows what the jury's gonna believe. This could shake out anyway. Novak's like, cool, you know her. Go talk to her, mm-hmm. dude. So Huang goes to talk to the defense's expert witness, Dr. Sofer. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like um they're not supposed to do this, but I guess it's NBD because they're just like doing it. And as second I see her, I'm like, oh shit. She plays Sam's mom that has Steve Carell in the basement in The Patient. Oh my God, I was just thinking about that show yesterday. Oh, I knew she looked familiar. Yeah, she plays the mom. Mm. God, that was so good. Huang and Dr. Sofer are chatting, okay? She's telling Huang, like, hey, guy, emotions can be genetically predetermined. And one day she's going to be able to treat people before they do things like what Sean mm, did. And I'm like, report. what is this? Precog psychology? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I just said minority report. Oh, my God. That's so funny. You can choose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Huang's like, uh that's straight up turning psychiatry into social control. And she's like, you're living in the past. And he's like, you're living in the future. (laughs) And I think they should eat some Christmas acid about it, but nobody asked me. (laughs) Christmas acid. Acid in the world. Huang doesn't think that she should use the courtroom as a place to explain her theory. Like, this is all very hypothetical. So, bringing it into a trial is fucking kind of bullshitty. She's mm-hmm. like, I think it's the best place to do it. At least it'll get some recognition. Gross, 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 oh, gross. Uh, Sofer gives Huang her research to read, and she's pretty confident about it. Mm-hmm. At the trial, Gates is questioning Sofer. She tells the court that hate crimes and racism are caused by abnormalities in the prefrontal cortex. Sean's cortex is abnormally small. When she says abnormally small, the camera cuts to Sean for a long time and he's looking around like, I wish she'd clarify that she's not talking about my wiener, my wiener and wiener, the web series. <laughs> it's like such a wiener. wiener. They did. They It panned to him for a long time. It's yeah. abnormally small. Everybody's like, the whole court er. like looks at him. He's like, my, my brain, not my dick. <laughs> they use PET scans of Sean's brain and a Nazi's brain for comparison of the subcortex to prove her theory. Novak questions Sofer now. Sofer tells her that she thinks she can eventually predict who will become violent. And Novak argues that, mm. yeah, that might be true, but you can't do it now. And Sofer's like, you're right, I can't. Now Huang takes the stand. Novak's questioning him, and he's explaining the work that he did to replicate Dr. Sofer's experiment. He also used scans to show that a black minister and a rabbi had similar reactions in their brains as Sean and the Nazi did to images of groups that they have negative associations with, Nazis and Klansmen, right? Mm -hmm. Huang argues that even if genetics can be to blame, experiences also determine reactions. And he gives a great example. He's like, after you've been bitten by a dog, you might not like them, but you weren't born to hate them. Mm -hmm. Gates questions Huang now. He thinks he's going to fucking dunk on him by using the genetic predisposition to high cholesterol as a comparison to Sean's predisposition to violence and tries to get Huang hung up on semantics when he makes him say that anyone could become violent at any moment. Huang's making excellent points and this guy was obviously the head of his debate team because he's just spinning fucking everything. I hate this kind of lawyering. You're not proving a good point. You're just twisting words so that someone is forced to say something that Mm -hmm. sort of falls in line with what your point is. And I don't understand how anybody in a jury sees it and goes, yeah, like I just, it doesn't, I don't get it. Now Sean takes the stand. He got into a lot of trouble growing up and admits to fighting who he calls, quote, Arabs at school, um, which obviously could mean, again, like we said, anybody from the Middle East, from India, from North Africa, from South Asia, just, you know. Just an ignorant term, not an informed one. Sean killed Tariq and Mira because he went to their panel and got all worked up because it panel. Did you hear how I said that? (laughs) (laughs) Because he went to their panel and got worked up because they were lying, saying they wanted peace and to get along. Yep. Sean also says he isn't crazy and claims that people he killed wanted to hurt the country. Now Novak gets up to question Sean. (laughs) She literally goes, so you hate Muslims. Do you hate black people too, Sean? And he's like, just the Muslim ones. He doesn't hate any other ethnicities that she goes on to mention. Just Muslim people. I mean, he was pretty shitty at fucking toots. Yeah, Yeah. he was shitty to toots. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. 
what are you doing in here? It's like, um, what? And he's like, Muslims come here, they study engineering and aviation and use it to attack us. I'm so exhausted by the broad generalizing in this episode. Just like, mm-hmm. I can't even get into it. But just the, uh, they study engineering and aviation. Like, they work really hard at school. <laughs> Right. Like I get I get what you're going to and how you're referencing 9-11 and whatever. But like just the this is what this group of people does. Like that's so it's been proven Mm -hmm. time and time again that there is a very small extremist cell. It's just like it's it's referencing the same thing as fucking Christianity and people condemning the Westboro Baptist Church and being like, well, that's an extreme group. And it's like, yeah, it's a fucking extreme group. Can you not see that that also exists in other religions and cultures? And we said we weren't going to do that. Uh, I know. Sean starts going off on this whole, my dad died in desert storm for this country. And he gets hyped on what Muslims are going to do to our country. Stockpiling weapons of mass destruction, poisoning the water supply, blowing up bridges. Meanwhile, Novak's like, wait, was your dad killed in desert storm? This whole, all of this chaos is going on. His lawyer tries to get Mm -hmm. him to shut up, but he keeps going off. And the judge calls for a recess and the bailiff drags Sean out to get him to cool off. So as soon as the recess is called, Novak runs up to Benny and Stabes because they're in the gallery and like get me confirmation on how sean's dad died in the war Mm -hmm. because if he's killing out of revenge it's not a genetic thing he's it's Mm -hmm. it's hate and to avenge his fucking father right right hurry so outside of the courthouse gates and novak walk out together Gates is trying to get Novak to make a deal novak tells gates she's not offering a fucking deal he's like oh i thought you would jump on that he thinks that the jury will buy the defense. He also thinks that the jury understands the impulse, whether they act on it or not, because they've hated someone before. She won't validate an ounce of this cockamamie defense. <laughs> no deal. <laughs> they close all of the briefcases and walk off stage. <laughs> Remember that show? Uh-huh. Now we're at... <laughs> So now we're at Novak's office. Stabler has information on Sean's dad's death. He fought, but he did not die fighting in Desert Storm. Hmm. Okay, Rikers Island. Novak meets with Gates and Sean. She asks them if Gates wants a deal. The deal is Sean pleads three counts of murder, two consecutive sentences. Gates declines. Benson and Stabler bring in Sean's dad who was like oh my god i'm so glad to see my son but sean's like what the fuck get him out of here seth webster his dad is played by matt salinger whose first freaking role ever was friggin' football cool bad guy danny burke in 1984's revenge of the nerds Ooh, yeah i thought you're gonna say his role in wiener and wiener <laughs> he plays the wiener <laughs> which one <laughs> he comes in a hot dog suit <laughs> He's like, I just got off set. I came here as soon as I could. I'm your dad. (laughs) Gates is like, what the fuck is happening, dude? So about Sean's dad, he met a Kuwaiti woman while he was in Kuwait and divorced Sean's mom, remarried and moved to Detroit. Novak says to Gates, still think this is genetic? Sean tells his dad, just go back to where you came from. Go back to your Arab whore. Go on, get. Dad apologizes. What? I just, ugh, just oh. the way he... Dad apologizes to Sean and says, this is all my fault. And Sean's like, yeah, you're damn right. It's your fault. Sean was told by his mom that his dad died fighting in the war, but found out the truth when he tried to get benefits to go to college. Sean's dad tells him that his mom wouldn't let him see him. He wanted to, but she had custody. Sean doesn't believe him. And then the dad's like, she filled your fucking head with hatred for Muslims because she was mad at me. And Sean still doesn't believe him. And then dad's like, oh, Sean. And like kind of goes up to him like he wants to hug him. But Sean fucking pushes his dad and spits in his face and tells him that if he had a gun, he would shoot him in the head and go back and set his wife and, quote, bastard kids on fire. I'm like, holy fuck. Stabler has to hold him back. He says it so, like, the writing. I hate your stinking guts. Pachoo! It's just like, so ridiculous. Ding! So now in the precinct, Novak, Benson, and Stabler walk into the squad room and are discussing hatred and how Sean wasn't born that way and just blah, blah, blah. Craig comes in and lets him know that Sean was fucking stabbed to death by the friends of the man he killed in booking. And I was like, mm, bye. Bye. Sorry. Oh, Toyota. 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 On September 16th, 2001, less than a week after 9-11, a man walked into a small business called Mom's Grocery Store in Dallas, Texas, where 46-year-old store owner 
Wakar Hassan was grilling hamburgers. The man pulled out a 44 pistol and shot Hassan in the head before fleeing. Jesus. Days later, on September 21st, former Bangladeshi Air Force pilot, 28-year-old Rais Buyan, was working as a cashier at a Dallas gas station. That same man walked in and pointed a double-barrel shotgun in Rais's face. Rais thought he was being robbed, so he started getting money out until the gunman asked him, where are you from? Mm-hmm. Rais couldn't get an answer out fast enough, apparently. I mean, he was really yeah. like, ah. And he was shot in the face before the shooter left empty-handed. Mm. Rais survived, but was partially blinded in his right eye. What? So He survived? He uh-huh. Holy shit. I know. Again, a short amount of time passed before October 4th. 49-year-old Vasudev Patel was working at his Mesquite, Texas gas station when the gunman entered. Security cameras rolled as the assailant attempted a robbery with his 44 caliber handgun. As Patel reached for the gun he kept under the counter... The gunman shot him in the chest. Mm. Vasudev was lying on the floor as the shooter demanded, quote, open the register or I'll kill you. After failing to get into the cash register himself, I mean, Vasudev couldn't get off the floor. Like he was bleeding to death. He'd just been shot in the chest. So this guy's like fumbling, trying to get the register open, couldn't get it open. He flees the store and left Vasudev Patel to die. The next day on October 5th, which is my wedding anniversary, but I feel like gross saying that. Um, I mean, it's no May 3rd. That's for, that's for damn right. <laughs> Police apprehended Mark Anthony Stroman a week before his 32nd birthday. On him, they found the 44 used to kill Vasudev and a bunch of Nazi and white supremacist tattoos. Oh, God. I feel like this was our energy the entire episode. I don't want to get into gun control shit because it's pretty obvious where we land i'm gonna speak for both of us Mm -hmm. uh but this motherfucker was free on bond at the time of the murders for a gun possession arrest (laughs) i will say that (sighs) so let's hit this dude's history for a second mark anthony stroman was born october 13th 1969 stroman had an allegedly abusive upbringing and troubled youth at nine years old stroman was stealing bikes selling and using drugs running in the streets and failing out of school He was involved in an armed robbery at 12 years old. He left school with an eighth grade education and was in and out of juvenile detention centers. At 15, he was married and started having kids. I know nothing more about his personal life, like who his wife was, any of that. At 16, he was arrested for an illegal switchblade knife. Then again, four years later, in possession of brass knuckles, which are illegal in Texas. Which always, I never understood why brass knuckles are illegal. There's like so many things that could be used as like a weird lace your fingers in weapon. Like why brass knuckles specifically? Mm. This isn't what I'm arguing for. I'm not like, listen. (laughs) In between prison stints, Stroman worked as a baker and a laborer, nothing seemingly consistent. His first stretch in prison as an adult was two years for burglary of a building and theft of property. He stole guns, jewelry, clothes, and checks. He was released on parole in absentia, which is a thing in Texas and other states where they hold the parole hearing even if the prisoner isn't there, like if they're housed out of state or something. Mm-hmm. Now I think they would just probably Zoom it, right? Mm-hmm. Or would that still be considered absentia? I don't know. So he fucked up again and went back to prison with an eight-year sentence for robbery and credit card abuse after he mugged a woman and went on a spending spree with her credit card. Stroman was also a member of the Aryan Brotherhood of Texas, considered to be one of the largest and most violent white supremacist prison groups in operation. This is a different group than the well-known nationwide Aryan Brotherhood. I don't know why that's important to note. I just felt like it was interesting because their permission to for them to like start their own fucking hateful club means absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. But it's its own sect that was unsanctioned. It's all fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Stroman spent his life as a member full of hate and allegiance to it. Again, out in the world on July 14th, 2001, Stroman was arrested again, this time for carrying a gun into an establishment that sells alcohol, which is another Texas law. In Texas, you can't have a gun in a bar or a liquor store or anywhere that gets 51% of its income from alcohol sales. Right, okay. So, like, they have signs all over the place, like, this is a 51%, whatever, da-da-da. Also, he wasn't even supposed to have a gun. He was a second offender felon. Okay. Even so, he was released on bond two days later. 
So fast forward, 9-11 happens. He starts killing people after this. Mm -hmm. When he was caught, he admitted to the shootings and claimed he was targeting people from the Middle East, which to the ignorant just means brown people, Mm -hmm. for the attacks on 9-11. All three victims were actually from South Asia, not the Middle East. Mm -hmm. His words were that he chose the victims he did because they looked to be, quote, of Muslim descent. And again, not to be like... Muslim is a religion. (laughs) Not a... Yeah. But so this is just speaking to Stroman's ignorance. Vasudev Patel was Hindu, not Muslim. Mm -hmm. So it's just the hateful ignorance is the grossest part of all of it. Another thing Stroman did was he told police his sister was in the North Tower on 9-11. And that's why he was so mad about everything. That claim has never been confirmed. Like there's no proof that this sister even existed. Mm -hmm. While Stroman awaited trial, he told a fellow prisoner that the murder of Wakar Hassan, known to be his first, remember it was Mm -hmm. the the first guy that he just walked in and he was grilling burgers, was actually his ninth (gasps) with the same motivation. He also told this inmate that he had planned to go to a shopping mall with one of his many automatic weapons police had seized and open fire because there were a lot of, quote, Middle Eastern people there. While awaiting trial, Stroman said in an interview, quote, I'm not a serial killer. We're at war. I did what I had to do. I did it to retaliate against those who retaliated against us. Okay, retaliation. Mm-hmm. I don't think you you know what that word means. But anyway, that's just me playing fucking grammar police. But hmm. Stroman was charged with capital murder, and six months to the day after his arrest, he was found guilty and sentenced to death. The jury deliberated for less than an hour. Hmm. In a statement after the conviction, Vasudev's brother-in-law said this of Stroman, quote, he is so full of hate. He said he has skin allergies against people like us. I'm happy he was found guilty so quickly by the jury. Even after Stroman's sentencing, he maintained that he did what all Americans wish they could do and showed zero remorse. Mm. That it wasn't about hate, it was about patriotism. Fucking Jesus. Now here's a twist. The only survivor, Raiz Buyan, was a devout Muslim. He believed that, in his faith, it was required of him to forgive Stroman. He openly protested the death sentence of Mark Anthony Stroman and even went as far as to file a lawsuit against Texas Governor Rick Perry. Mm. He was like, I wasn't consulted about this. I'm one of the fucking actual victims. I should have a say in whether he gets the death penalty or not. Uh, And the court denied it, but word got to Stroman and this man who owed him less than fucking nothing was using the life Stroman attempted to take from him to appeal his fucking death sentence. Mm -hmm. Like, isn't that wild? Yeah. That's the level. That's what I was talking about earlier in the episode. Like this man is so committed to his faith and this guy tried to fucking kill him in cold blood didn't succeed, managed to kill other people and spew all of this hateful shit, spent his life dedicated to hating people that were other. And you're still like, this isn't okay. Mm-hmm. And it's not a death penalty argument. He's, there. It goes on. Hold on. I said that like you were interrupting me and you're not saying anything. <laughs> I'm like, shh, 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 hang on, hang on. Because of all of Raiz's efforts, right? Stroman finds out and he realizes that he was wrong and became remorseful for what he had done. Mm. Raiz and Stroman eventually communicated and Stroman was able to thank Raiz for his compassion and later described him as an inspiring soul. Mm. Wow. And Raiz was protesting till the very end. On the day Stroman was to be executed, July 20th, 2011, events were held up for over two hours as Raiz appealed to judges to stay the execution. As Raiz pled for the life of his attacker, he said, quote, killing him is not the solution. He's learning from his mistake. If he's given a chance, he's able to reach out to others and spread that message to others. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the appeals failed and Mark Anthony Stroman was executed by lethal injection and declared dead at 8.53 p.m. July 20th. 2011. Hmm. Stroman's last words were, quote, the Lord Jesus Christ be with me. I am at peace. Hate is going on in this world and it has to stop. One second of hate will cause a lifetime of pain. Even though I lay on this gurney seconds away from death, I am at total peace. I'm still a proud American, Texas loud, Texas proud. God bless America. God bless everyone. Let's do this damn thing. Jesus. This is a bummer episode. Super bummer. Some of them are really fun. Not this one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Next week, we got season five, episode 14, Ritual. Ooh. Mm. Garbage collectors find what looks like an animal sacrifice. I think I remember this one, but I'm not sure. All right. Well. All right. Transition. Transition. Woo. Rate and review us. (laughs) Please. Five stars. 
Email us at svupod at gmail.com. Send us treats and things at P.O. Box 176, DeForest, Wisconsin, 53532. Check out our Instagram at svupod. Follow us there. Yeah. Get pod merch and more at svupod.com and join the Facebook group, SVU Pod Elite Squad, which is super fun. We also have a little chat group called Walk and Talk. Hashtag a little bit loud for all your indie pod needs. And join the Patreon. We got tons of content on there. Friendship boats, yeah. garbage cookies, deals on merch. Just extra, extra. <laughs> I love you. Bye. I love you. Bye. <laughs> Are we get, we're just gonna stay in the dream house. Yeah, we're just gonna yep. be decorating. I mean, unless you want to, unless you want to throw. We're just gonna have our bedroom door locked, and we're seven years old, making our Barbies have lesbian sex together. <laughs> <laughs> like my bacon burger. I went to law school. Oh no. <laughs> but I also used to think that I could get pregnant by climbing the rope at the gym after a guy did. <laughs> so how old were you? You were you were raised 25. very sheltered. <laughs> Okay. Okay. And to our Elite Squad patrons, Sonia W., Marissa M., Elkie H., Annie G., Mary D., Andrew, Andrew, Rebecca D., Miranda B., Shelby W., Lex, Emily T., Kayla W., Mallory G., Bonita R., Marin, Vanessa, Amy P., Melanie G., Courtney W., Ursula S., Kate H., Uyanga, Kayla J, Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica S, Nicole M, Acacia V, Katarina G, Danielle W, Kelsey D, Jana M, Joshua H, Tammy J, Bert, Crystal, Lucy M, Trisha S, Sam D, Mac Attack, Casey W, Abby W, Alexis J, Lauren T, Kaylin B, Camille Z, Nisha G, Maggie D, Kaylin. Katie M, Eliza W, Crystal B, Jessica P, Zan and J, Nada M, Sin, Christina D, Madison H, Emily Okie Dokie Artichokey, Victoria B. <laughs> that one was bad. <laughs> Victoria B, Scout G, Melissa M, Desiree D, Drew B, Quentin S, Amberly C, Louise M, Sapphire, Monica K, KBS. <laughs> Trisha, <laughs> Monica K, Katie S, Trish S, Angela D, Brenna T, Andrea M, Natasha S, Andrea H, and Miranda B. Boo! Thanks, guys. <laughs>